Amen. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. You may be seated unless you're the youth, and then you need to head back there with Miss Jennifer and head down to the youth room. Uh, I think we were supposed to have a video today, but that didn't happen, so my apologies for that for the youth, but uh, we'll have that next week, and it'll be coming out on our uh, media and stuff like that. So we also, I guess, was told that we had some problems at the Village of Oak Creek with uh, something going on with the internet and all stuff up there. Sorry about that. Hopefully you're joining us at home right now if you did do that because um, it's an amazing day and an amazing word of God that we are going to go through today and what God wants to say to us. But before we do that, just want you to know we always make this statement in our, all of our stuff. It's who we are. We are not a perfect church and we are not a perfect people. We are here because we know we need God's help and he's provided that help through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So if you want to just take a glance around you and look at those people by you, just want you to know they're not perfect. All right? Some of them you know, and you've already been, you know, praying that they would go to the altar. It's all good. But I just want you to know that, you know, when we come here today, we're not who we were, and we're not who we're going to be coming yet, but we are in the transformation process. And therefore, when we make that statement, is so then not that we get comfortable in being not enough, because we're never enough, but that we would embrace Jesus Christ and know that he sees us as enough and that he's leading us into being enough through his power and grace, and he's amazing. And so wherever you are in your walk with God, continue on it. No matter what anyone else thinks or says to you, please understand your walk with God is so personal and real in the word of God. You continue to pursue him relentlessly, and God's going to transform you and make you new, no matter what anybody else thinks. Some people will never see you different than how they want to perceive you. They will, no matter what you do or say or whatever God does in your life. People will still see you how they want to see you. All right, I've had people like I know in my own life, they don't, they just, you know, I mean, here, I've been walking with God for a lot of years. I've been a pastor for a long time. But those that knew me before Jesus, they still don't see me. And so they think I'm fake. You know, I don't care what they think. It doesn't matter. I know what God knows, and I know my relationship with him, and there's nothing better in the whole wide world than that relationship with him, no matter what anybody else is saying, doing, or acting. He's amazing. I love him. Yeah. Now, the truth is, is that some of us have screwed up, you know, and maybe some of what they're saying has some truth in it. So what anyway? Not, not that we just ignore it. Hey, we repent, and we continue forward. Man, let's just stay with Jesus. Did you spend at least five minutes a day, at least five days last week, reading or listening to God's Word? Did you spend some time alone with Him with no agenda this week? Did you? This is not part of our normal questions, but I'm asking you. Did you spend time with God for the name that He gave you this week? We've had people coming, you know. <laughs> Names that people wrote down. They've been in services they're talking about what God's doing in their life. One of the ladies in this next, the service prior to this introduced me to the guy, and he had been in our church five years ago, backslidden, was messed up out there, and uh, his was the name she wrote, and uh, he got in contact with her. Isn't God awesome? <laughs> yeah, man, this week. I mean, I'm just telling you, God's amazing. I'll tell you right now, I don't want to, me- no, I won't tell you right now. I'm going to tell you after we're done, after all this happens, I want to share with you with my heart what I felt like what God was doing, and I'm super excited still, okay, just so you know. You know what the Holy Spirit's saying to you personally? 
little slow response there. Sorry, I went back to the actions, uh, the, the accountability questions. Uh, not that I want everybody to yell louder. Or I, I want to make. I want you to be honest. Do you, do you know what the Holy Spirit's saying to you? Are you given as God has asked you to give in your time, your talents, and your resources? Did you share Jesus with someone this week? Did you invite someone to church with you today? I hope you're not just waiting until next week to invite somebody. We got to do this all the time. Like, invite them to Jesus. And y'all have, you know, it's funny because, you know, we're a little more dispersed in this service, which is completely contrary to what it was pre-COVID, which is awesome. I love, I love some of the changes that have happened because of COVID. I do. And, uh, and I'm grateful for it. I really am. But I, I think it's funny that in this service we have a lot of empty spaces because this used to be the service that was filled in the earlier service. People didn't want to get up and come to church, I guess. I'm not sure. But it's the only one we had before. But the reason I'm saying that is, is that we have a lot of people coming to that service and we fill it up and sometimes we have people standing in the back. And then it kind of like ebbs and flows in that. But a lot of people are losing their seat. You know, like... There's people coming, and one of the ladies talked to me this morning, and she's like, I, I have to keep coming earlier and earlier to try and get to my spot. And I was laughing, and I was like harassing somebody over here, telling them he should get up and give her her seat back. Um, you know, uh, and I was teasing him and her. It was funny, you know. And while I was over there talking, someone came in and sat in my seat. <laughs> I was standing over there on the side, and it's funny because, you know, how we use those terminology. It's like my seat. It's not my seat. Of course not. But, you know, wait a minute. It is my spot, though. Everything sounds better where I am. So it's kind of funny, but I love that. So I know you guys like the service because you can have your row. <laughs> but as God's moving, I just want you to know you're going to lose it. And I, I'm going to laugh when you can't sit where you are right now. All right, so today we want to look at God's word and see what he's doing, because God's up to something. I mean, he is, and I'm super excited about what God wants to do in Tucson, Arizona, not just here at Christian Faith Fellowship, not just in my life, not just in our lives, but I'm talking about our city. I am. I know God is doing something, church. I want you to know the spirit of God is rumbling and stirring, and I love it. I'm super excited and can't wait. We're going to look at some scripture to shed some light on the end times. Now, I want you to know this because it's important right here at the beginning that you know that the light that we're talking about is a light that you and I need to respond to. It's not just the fact that God wants to illuminate something about the end times. See, God's not just like, hey, check that out. Ooh, cool. No, God's like, hey, look at this because you need to understand what's being said right here because I want to do something in you. So I want you to know this end times message is about me and you right here, right now, personally today. And let's do what God has to say to us. And it's always a popular subject. It's been a popular subject my whole life. And just so you guys know, like this, the, I'm not going to, I did mention pre-tribulation stuff and tribulation. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, don't even worry about it. But I'm just telling you, I was raised in the church. But the whole idea of the pre-tribulation rapture, that there's a seven-year tribulation period and all that stuff that happens, you do know that that never even was taught or thought about in the church till the 1800s. That's brand new in the church's theology. All right? Prior to that, I don't know, does anybody know what the belief was prior to this whole new idea of the end times? Do you know that from the 1800s back in the history of the church, the church believed that we were going to reach the entire world with the gospel and people would repent and turn to God as a world. 
That was the belief of the church prior to the late 1800s. And then all of a sudden we thought, well, you know what? It's all over with. Forget it. Everybody's going to go to hell, so let's just stay over here by ourselves and everything changed. Seriously, right? I mean, like the end times have completely flipped on us, and we need to know what God's Word actually says, not just what we think or what we've been told. Last week when I was talking to you in the action steps, is like, do you know why you believe what you believe? Do you know what God's Word actually says about what you think you believe? Because a lot of us grew up being taught things, or we've heard things, or we've perceived things that we think are true, and when we get into the Bible, it's like, oh, wow, that's really not what that says. Have you ever had any of those moments in your life? I hope every one of you have, because that revelation of the Holy Spirit of what the Word of God actually says and not just what someone thinks is critically important for us. Now, I know I'm a pastor, and you're like, well, who do you think you are? I don't think I'm anything. I think that I know that God's Word has things to say to us and that we need to always know what the Holy Spirit is affirming in the Word of God in us, because God is a personal God, and He wants to do something in our lives for us personally. And he does that corporately too. He's amazing because he's God. So this end times message stuff is especially like growing in prevalence and importance to us. Social media and YouTube and all that stuff uh, has given a platform to tons of people to take a platform. So you shouldn't probably go to every one of those platforms, I'm just saying, but I'm not going to point out which ones you should or shouldn't, but there's a whole lot of stuff on YouTube available to us that maybe we shouldn't watch. Um, not just YouTube. I mean, I'm talking about all that stuff, but YouTube gives a larger platform, and we're on YouTube, so I'm not against YouTube. I'm just saying be careful, okay? But as we see America crumbling around us, the end time stuff has been given a larger platform and a stronger voice. And the stronger voice is coming because as we perceive around us as Christians, having our ideas of what the end times look like, we're seeing that what we perceive is the end times based on the crumbling of our own nation. So church, this is the, the rock solid truth from God's word. I want everybody to hear me and understand this. The reason our nation is falling is because we've turned our back on God as a nation. All right, no matter what the calendar of God says in the time frame of the world history and how long he wants it to go, we are falling as a nation because we've turned our back on him as a nation. This nation was formed under godly principles. Now, everybody that formed our nation were not Christians. I'm not stupid. All right, and so a lot of people right away were like, no, no, we weren't a Christian nation. Yes, we were. We were based upon the word of God, who God is, and it's the God of the Bible in Jesus Christ. All right, that's where we were formed, and as a nation, we were representing God. And God blessed this nation because we honored him and who he was and is. But this nation has told him we don't need him. And as a result of that, he's like, Go ahead and stand then. Let's see how that works for you. And we have seen our nation crumbling around us. Yes. I want everybody in the, in the church, everybody online, everybody listening to me, anybody that's hearing what I'm saying, I want you to know that the only hope for America is Jesus Christ. Yes. It is not this upcoming election. It's not any political party. It's not the conservatives retaking power. It's none of that. It's Jesus only. 
Because, see, I don't care if you're conservative or whatever you say you are. If you're not a hardcore follower of Jesus Christ, you can claim any title you want, but we're not going anywhere without him. And there's no hope for this nation unless we put God back in the place he deserves. And all we have to do is read the Bible and we'd see that. But we're just ignorant of the word of God and what's going on. All right. I'm talking about as a nation. I'm not talking about you and I. We should be, those of you that are here and listening, you should be well aware of what's going on biblically, the history, what God says, what's happening around us, and where we are today. We shouldn't even need to, like, whoa, yeah, wow, that's new. No, it's not. Look around. Look at what God says. Pay attention to what's happening. Nobody cares about God out there. Nobody. Not the God of the Bible. Not Jesus Christ. Now, as we watch this, then because this popular stuff comes up, there's also a group within the church, Christians, that are fascinated about end time stuff. And we want to, like, oh, I don't know. I don't know what we want. It's crazy. We all, like, get all excited about this stuff, and it's like, you understand that the end times is an exciting thing that God has planned. It's not a fear thing, because when I grew up in the church, it was scary. It was presented scary. It was pushed forward as scary, and it was like, uh, I was scared to death. I was going to live in the end times. I thought I was, and I am, but nobody told me that I was in the right context of the Bible. Because, see, when you read in Acts 2, on the day of Pentecost, Peter's preaching and he quotes the prophet Joel and says, the end time started then. When he says this, you can read it in Acts chapter 2 later on today. Don't look it up now. Trust me, it's in there and go look it up. But as he's preaching and he quotes this, it says that God would pour out his spirit on all flesh in the end times the young men will dream dreams, old men prophesy, all that kind of stuff. Your women and men both will prophesy and all that. So don't quote me on that part. It's all there. Okay? But here's the thing. The fact of the matter is the Spirit of God fell on the day of Pentecost in dwelling believers and fell with conviction on non-believers. So from that day, there has been this turmoil happening on the planet that was not happening prior to Pentecost. What happened at Pentecost was Jesus taking the victory and winning for us, taking the keys of death and the grave and sin from Satan. Now a new door was opened for planet Earth and humanity, and he opened that door and poured the Spirit of God out on this place like it had never been experienced since creation. The Holy Spirit came in power, and he was wrestling with people. He was pouring himself into the hearts of believers, and he was tearing up the unbelievers by convicting them. And that war has started on the day of Pentecost and continues today. So church, here's the deal. We can either accept the conviction of the Holy Spirit, repent, and allow him to fill us and we live for Jesus Christ, or we can reject the Holy Spirit's conviction and we fight against him. And that's the war that's going on. And it's been happening since Pentecost. It's happening in our streets. It's happening in our families. It's happening in our nation right now. There is a war that is raging between the Holy Spirit of God and the dark spirit of sin. And that's the cause of our problems. And this clash that is happening right now has been happening since that day. And it will continue to happen until the day that God says enough. So when you look around and you see troubles, yep, there's a reason there's troubles. There is a spiritual battle raging, and it is real. And it's raging for you, and it's raging for me. I want to be on God's side. We win. The end times are nothing to be afraid of.
God says, I've got this. I'm going to do what I'm going to do, and you will see that I am God. I mean, why would we be scared of that? He's amazing. Let's read some scriptures and learn something here about this, right? So we're in 2 Thessalonians. So the reason why there's a 2 Thessalonians is because in the 1 Thessalonians, the Apostle Paul, writing the church, Holy Spirit-anointed scripture given to us, he writes to them about the coming of Christ. So what happens? People start messing it up right away. People are doing their own thing and talking about the return of Jesus and how it's going to look. And he had to write another letter because he's like, you guys need to refocus, man. Everybody's getting messed up in this thing. So here's what it is right here. You ready? Dear brothers and sisters, we can't help but thank God for you because your faith is flourishing and your love for one another is growing. We proudly tell God's other churches about your endurance, faithfulness, and all the persecutions and hardships you are suffering. And God will use this persecution to show his justice and to make you worthy of his kingdom for which you are suffering. In his justice, he will pay back those who persecute you. And God will provide rest for you who are being persecuted and also for us when the Lord Jesus appears from heaven. He will come with his mighty angels in flaming fire, bringing judgment on those who don't know God and on those who refuse to obey the good news of our Lord Jesus. Right there is the word of God, church. We're going to continue reading there, but we're stopping right there. And there's a reason I'm stopping. We just heard something pretty incredible and pretty challenging and convicting at the same time. When we look at what was just proclaimed to us in God's word, we see that there are going to be two types of people who will not make it to heaven but end up in hell. The two kinds of people that are mentioned right there specifically are this, those who don't know God and those who will refuse to obey the good news of our Lord Jesus. So the first group are those that don't know God. Those are the ones that you and I are called to share Jesus with so that they know him. But there are people that you work with, live by, walk by every day that don't know God. They don't even know who he is. They know there is a God. Everybody does, but they don't know him. And they need to know the God of the Bible, and they need to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And that's why, church, we're called to share that good news with people. But the second group of people are the ones that you and I need to grip on. The second group of people we see there are people who know who God is. They know who God is. They know who Jesus is. But their living denies him as they are not living in obedience to what God's word says a believer is to live like. Those who refuse to obey the good news. You see that? There are people that will refuse to live the life God has called them to live. And they know the life. God's telling us right here in his word, those people are not going to make it. Okay, so church, as I look at this, I want you to know that I have three action steps in my message. So when I just now, I'm going to tell you, I have number one action step right now. Don't pack your stuff up. We're not leaving yet. Okay, here's action step number one in the message. Are you living in obedience to what you know the Holy Spirit has convicted you in and what God's word says? Are you doing that? All right, so church, here's the thing. Like, a lot of people are like, well, I'm trying. Like, well, stop trying. Live what you know. Don't worry about what you don't know yet. The Holy Spirit will reveal your next step. Are you actually living this step the way God has showed you? That's the question. Stop saying I'm trying to do it. Surrender. 
Let God be God, and you will live it. You will live it. Because if you don't, you're going to hell. Amen. All right, anyway, I knew that would go over good anyway, but it's God's word, right? For those that don't obey, that don't live in obedience to what he says. Okay, we're going to touch on that again, so don't get all freaked out. Let's just move on. Okay, so it's important that everybody understands that just because you can quote some scripture and see yourself as living better than others doesn't mean you're a Christian. The devil can quote scripture. There's a lot of really religious people. The Apostle Paul, who God used to write this letter, used to be a very religious person, but he didn't know Jesus, and it took him surrendering and being knocked on his face to surrender to Jesus and change his life from being a very religious man to have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Okay, so as we look at this, I want you to know, church, it's important for us to see that it's not just being in church, it's not just quoting some verses, there's something more to this Christian life than just being a religious attendant. It's also important for us, church, that we see the church here is being persecuted again. Did you hear that? As he's writing, he's like, you know, you're enduring under persecution, good job. God's using that time of trial for you to perfect you and make you ready for the kingdom of God that is to come. <laughs> see, when I look in the scriptures and I see this, I see all the way from the early birth of the church in the book of Acts, I see the church going through hard things continually. <laughs> We've been blessed in our nation. We've had a free ride as Christian people. But church, the problem is, is that the church is in this free ride. We've definitely just kind of coasted, put on cruise control, and we've just been the church to ourselves. When we see the church in the Bible, when we see the church in history, we see the church in the world, when these things are going on, people are either in or out. You're either committed or not. When you've got to go through hard things, if you're a believer or not, then people are either going to be a believer or they're not. And it's calling them out. And the word of God tells us this. And we've seen the church under persecution since the days of Acts. Again, I'm just going to say, you know, referencing last week when I'm like, I don't know why we started believing in this pre-tribulation rapture. It's fine if you want to believe that. I'm praying it happens too. I don't want to go through anything. I want to be taken out of this easy life into an easy heaven. Okay, just so you know, that's my flesh. But I also am like, I mean, why in the world do we think we're so special that everybody in history's had to go through some hard stuff, but we're not going to have to? And if we haven't, I mean, we've been so abundantly blessed. But again, I'm going to tell you that we in the church in this coast have not been diligent about our own walk in sharing Jesus with others. We haven't. So as we go on, I don't want to, I already dwelled on that a little bit longer. Let's go on. This is the word of God. We go back into this. In the, in the latter part of verse 7, it says, He will come with his mighty angels in flaming fire, bringing judgment on those who don't know God and on those who refuse to obey the good news of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with eternal destruction, forever separated from the Lord and from his glorious power. That's heavy right there. Church, do you see this? What we see right here in the word of God is that Hell is eternal. There's a lot of people that don't want to teach this in the church, and they don't want to talk about this. And in our own hearts, we don't want to believe 
that hell is eternal. Hell is eternal. See, God created us eternal. And we will either live in eternity with him or we will live in eternity in hell. And, and so the truth of the matter is we are going to spend eternity based on our either accepting of Jesus Christ and following God's teachings, or we will go by the way of Satan and go to hell by rejecting God's ways and teaching. It's that simple, but it's real, and it's eternal, and it says so. It's almost like we don't believe hell is real in the church I'm talking about. Because it's our loved ones, our friends, and our family that we're timid about sharing Jesus with, but they're going to go to an eternal hell if they don't turn to him. (laughs) That's why I'm like, I don't even know if the church actually believes in hell themselves. It's almost like we think God's just going to poof them and they disappear. No, he created everyone with an eternal soul. He himself breathed that life and made us eternal. See, it goes right back to God's word again. This is God's word, not my thinking, not what I want, not what you think, not what the majority votes for. God says it's eternal. And some are going to be eternally separated in hell in a place of torment that he never created for us. If you know your Bible, he did create hell for the devil and the angels that followed him. That's who that was created for, but people are going to choose to join him in the rebellion against God. Help us, Lord. And we're talking about the end times, remember? We're going to keep reading the verses. When he comes on that day, he will receive glory from his holy people, praise from all who believe. And this includes you, for you believed what we told you about him. Yeah. Hey, man, I want to be part of that team. Yeah, man, I want to be following his teachings. I want to be walking his ways. I want to give praise and glory to him when he shows up. I don't want to be one of those that are hiding my face or trying to fight him. I want to be on his side. All right? Now, that's about us who are living right, believing it, following his ways. That's what it says. Ready? So we keep on praying for you, asking our God to enable you to live a life worthy of his call. May he give you the power to accomplish all the good things your faith prompts you to do. Then the name of the Lord Jesus will be honored because of the way you live, and you will be honored along with him. This is all made possible because of the grace of our God and Lord Jesus Christ. Whew, yeah, amazing, huh? So... We keep praying for y'all to live a life worthy of his call. We need to pray for one another. Praying for the body of Christ to be the body of Christ. To live a life that is worthy of his call. I mean, that's God's word. That's amazing. So we're continually praying for one another to live that life. See, I keep saying things along these lines, and we need to own it, church. I want to own it. This Christian life is not a simple church-going activity. It is a all-the-time life relationship with God. Living the life worthy of the call. See, we're called Christians. The, the name Christian started in the Bible. And I want you to know that when it was given to those who followed Christ, it was a derogatory statement. But I want you to hear this as well. 
people knew the followers of Christ because of the way they lived, and they called them Christians. Christians. See, they identified them by the way they lived, that they were following Jesus. So you are one of those. Right? Okay, so what the Word of God just says is that we are called by His name. We represent Him. We model Him. We are to be like Jesus in this world. All right, so as we think about that, living this holy life, being called by God to be the church that He died to make us, my next action step is, are you living a life worthy of the call? His call. I mean, living a life worthy of his call. It's like, Lord, I want to live exactly like you want me to live. I don't want to do anything outside of your boundaries. And so church, as we talk about that, again, let me remind you, I didn't ask you, nor did God say, are you living perfect? He said, are you living worthy of the call? What is living worthy of the call? It's living in full obedience to what God is sharing in your life right now. Okay, again, stay right where we are. The scripture also says this, may he, the God of this conversation, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, listen, it said this, give you power to accomplish all the good things your faith prompts you to do. (laughs) So the devotionals this past week, if you've been watching those, we're intentionally driven to, by God, the Holy Spirit, 100% believe that, to get us to begin to discern the promptings of the Holy Spirit. So when we dis- discern the promptings of the Holy Spirit, we are called into obedience. That is living the life worthy of the call. So as we're living, we're living in obedience to the Word of God, living in obedience to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. And what it said right here is, when we sense those promptings, we're doing the good work that brings honor and glory to God and shows that we carry the name of Christ in our life. See, it all goes together. So the promptings of God, the Holy Spirit in your life, require action. I mean, He's not just nudging you so you can be like, yeah, whatever. He's prompting us so that we can take action and do something about what he's saying. And then it says, the name of our Lord Jesus will be honored because of the way you live. It reemphasized that. So we've had two things. It says, may you live this way. We're praying that you will. And now if you'll acknowledge the promptings of God in your life and do what he says, then your life will indeed honor him and you will be living the right way. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, hey, remember we're talking about the end times, right? (laughs) We are. I mean, the Word of God says so. That's what we were just reading about, the return of Christ. So what we're learning is, is that in the end times here, what we're still called to do is live a life of obedience, (laughs) to live a Christian life, to be obedient to what God says, no matter what the time is. The message hasn't changed. The call on your and my life hasn't changed. God's saying, live this way. So, here's another one of those in-the-message things. How is Jesus honored and glorified in the way you are living? How is he? How is he honored and glorified in the way you're living? 
I mean, with the people you work with, that you get your coffee from, that you drive down the street with, label you as a Christian without you saying anything? I mean, the people that know you. See, the scriptures say, we will be honored along with him. And this, again, is based on how we have lived for him. See, everything I read in scripture, I, I mean, seriously, I, you already know this because you hear it out of me constantly, but everything I read in the scripture references our response to living the life of the good news of the gospel. Me living that faith that I say I have. Okay, so the last verse says, this is all made possible because of the grace of our God and Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, now church, listen, many in the church claim the grace of our God and Lord Jesus Christ as an excuse for their sin, and they're continued living in it. So what is he speaking to us about when it says this is all made possible because of the grace of our God and Lord Jesus Christ? This is all made possible because of grace. What is made possible? Well, church, everything we've been talking about is only made possible because of his grace. So look, we haven't been talking about continual sin in your life, have we? No, that was not talked about there. As a matter of fact, it was challenging us to live the life worthy of the call. But a lot of Christians and a lot of churches want to talk about the grace of God to cover up our repetitive, sinful choices. Now, grace, I want you to know, let's just give that real illustration. When you continuously fall in the same place, oh, I'm sorry, God, then you go do it again. Oh, I'm sorry, God. Oh, and I go do it. Here's what grace is. Grace is that God doesn't kill you right there. That's what grace is. Because, see, we deserve to die right there. But grace doesn't kill us there. So what God's grace does is he gives a season for you to repent and change the way you're living to the way he's called you to live. All right, that's what true grace is. But now as we're looking at the context of God's word, I want you to hear this church because when we look at this, when we put it in the context, what we're learning about grace, what it really is, is it makes possible the life that we've been just called to live. So in the very beginning of this text where I was reading it, it, grace is what allows us to grow and flourish in our faith. It was talked about in there. He was like, you guys are growing and you're flourishing in your faith. You know what? Then he gets down to that bottom and he says, it's because of the grace of our Lord you're able to do that. It's because of grace that you're able to love one another. Y'all aren't that lovable, but God's grace makes it possible, right? I mean, that's what he tells us. He says it's grace that allows you to endure hardships and go through persecution. It is grace that allows you to escape the eternal destruction of hell. It is grace that allows you to live the life worthy of the call that God has placed upon your life. It is grace that allows you to be obedient to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. It is grace to live the life that honors Jesus. It is only because of grace that you and I can ever live that kind of life. It is only because of grace that we will be ultimately be honored with Jesus because our life actually honors Jesus. It's only because of grace that will ever happen, church. That's what the Word of God just told us. That's what grace is. 
Therefore, let's begin to own the grace that the Bible tells us that it is and start living the word of God in the gospel and the good news that we have been called to live. Then we will be the church that will make a difference in the world that God has placed us so that these end times will be impacted by the power of the living God. And we won't surrender to the power of the enemy because the church has retreated, sat on the sidelines, and we've surrendered a ton of stuff to the enemy that God never wants him to have. Church, God wants us to own this stuff that he created for us. Therefore, we need to step up and be the church that he's called us to be. So, hey, church, basically, here's the end times message. Are you ready for this? This is revelation. This is it. The end times message is live the gospel throughout your life, no matter what you face, and you're going to make it to heaven in the end. That's the end times message. You're welcome. (laughs) See, that's God's word. Don't do it. You're going to hell. Okay. (laughs) I don't want you to applaud that one, so thank you. (laughs) So I'm actually on my end times action steps, meaning the end of this message, okay? Have you repented of your sin? Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior? And are you living a new life? Are you doing that? If you're not, make today the day. I mean, oh my goodness, Jesus wants you to surrender to him. He wants to be your God. Don't even think about what you thought it was to be a Christian. He has this incredible new life planned for you. Surrender to him and accept him as your Lord, and he will transform you. He will. He'll do the work in you. It's amazing. Here's the second one. Are you living in obedience to what you know the Holy Spirit has convicted you in and what God's word says? Are you doing that? If you're not, then you need to repent right there. Because, see, it's all about that obedience, remember? People that aren't going to heaven are the ones that aren't being obedient to what the gospel teaches. Therefore, we need to be faithful in the acting in what that is. The next one, are you living a life worthy of the call? Is that the life you're living? Here's the last one. How is Jesus honored and glorified in the way you're living? How is he being honored and glorified in the way you're living? Church, I have a couple things I want to say to you at the end, but I want you to stand. I want you to know the altar's open, and I'm inviting you. If the Spirit of God is calling you, prompting you, speaking to you, please respond. Please respond. The altar's open. Please act on the promptings of the Holy Spirit for you today, right now. If you're at home or one of the campuses, just asking you to to move in, in response to the prompting of the Spirit. He's calling. God is doing this. Yes, Father. Father God, as we're here right now in this aspect of this service and the message that you have given to us today, God, we're here. You have prompted us, Holy Spirit, to come forward, and here we are. You've prompted us that are online to just repent in this moment, to step into the full obedience, to be worthy of the call, to live the life that is worthy of the call, to glorify you in everything. And so, God, we're asking you right now, you and you alone, to lead us, guide us, direct us, fill us, that you might be glorified. We want to be your church. We want to truly bear your name as a Christian.
Thank you, Lord. As these are at the altar, I want to keep them here as long as they need to be here. I want to address you before we get out of here today and uh, just say this to you. Next Sunday is who are you inviting to the table? It's crazy, isn't it? It's already been the full month by next Sunday. You wrote their name on that cloth right over there because the Spirit prompted you. Okay, we're not done yet. (laughs) We're praying. We've been asking God to do something. We've written the name down. We're asking God to reach them with the good news of the gospel. And we're asking God to use us in that process. Let's be obedient to the promptings of the Holy Spirit this week, today. Be faithful to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Let's seek God. Let's ask for discernment and wisdom in sharing the good news with those people that we might invite them here next Sunday to participate in communion with us with that tablecloth spread across that table and they being part of the family of God. Man, I'm telling you, I believe God wants to do something amazing. I know he does. Let's be faithful, church. Let's share that good news with them. Let's be the church. Let's live the life that brings honor and glory to him. Father, we thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for today. God, we're looking forward to all that you have planned for us. We want to be that church. Thank you, Jesus, for this moment that we can share together in these end times. Lord, we look for your coming. We know you're coming. We do. Help us to be the faithful church when you come. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, church. Thank you so much for being here. God bless you.